You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a great week. This week, we celebrated the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, who made the ultimate sacrifice for the equality of black people. As we think about the social unrest over this topic in our society today, I was reminded of Pope Francis's words about healing and unity in the joy of the gospel. He said, When properly understood, cultural diversity is not a threat to church unity. The Holy Spirit, sent by the Father and the Son, transforms our hearts and enables us to enter into the perfect communion of the Blessed Trinity, where all things find unity. Pope Francis was referring to the many cultures that exist inside and outside our church. And so as we approach this new year, the inauguration of a new president, and the work we do to advance our church, Let us do that in the spirit of unity, the kind of unity that transcends the differences we have here in this world and draws us closer to the spirit of the gospel. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everyone. Now, let's get to work. This week, we continue our celebration and discussion of Catholic schools through a conversation about leveraging Catholic Schools Week through marketing, enrollment, and philanthropy. This discussion was recorded last week and is posted on our Facebook page. I hope you find this conversation useful as you prepare for Catholic Schools Week. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship development and advancement. We're so fortunate to have three wonderful guests today for a lively discussion, I hope, on the topic of Catholic school advancement and marketing. We are in the month of Catholic schools, as I see it, as we get ready for Catholic Schools Week at the end of the month. And just so glad to have uh, some experts here to talk about how schools can further their mission. As I always look at these kinds of opportunities, if, if you walk away with one or two things that you can do practically when you get back to your office, I think that's a win for us and certainly worth the effort and the opportunity. So first of all, I'd like to welcome Jennifer Trefelner. Jennifer, you've been on the podcast several times over the last couple of years. Jennifer's the Director of Communications and Marketing and Social Media in the Diocese of Palm Beach. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Jennifer. Sure, absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for having me again, Jim. I have the pleasure of serving as a spokesperson for the Diocese of Palm Beach. I help to create data-driven communication plans for all of our departments and for the diocese. help to facilitate our social media planning for all of our social media sites, which is very enjoyable. And then um, the marketing that we do with our parishes and with our missions. So I have the pleasure of working with our bishop and our different offices and ministries uh, to help spread the good news of the Diocese of Palm Beach and our Office of Catholic Schools. Wonderful. Well, welcome back, Jennifer. Always glad to have you on the podcast. And today we have with us for the first time, Kristen Moore. Kristen is the Director of Catholic School Marketing and Enrollment for the Archdiocese of Seattle. Kristen was responsible for helping me to get several of the Seattle schools uh, for our Giving Tuesday conversation last month, which was a lot of fun. But uh, welcome, Kristen. It's great to have you here. Tell us a little about the work that you do with our schools. Thank you. I'm so excited to join this conversation. I'm sure there's some listeners out there that we can can all come together on some of these topics and and move things forward. So I love this kind of brainstorming session and, and exchange of ideas. 
Um, I am the Director of Enrollment and Marketing for the Archdiocese of Seattle. I'm actually a funded position through the Fulcrum Foundation. So Mm. I do work uh, with Fulcrum in addition to working in the Office for Catholic Schools. And really, I am boots on the ground. I Maybe not so much now during COVID, but I am typically out in the schools working with them, trying to look for opportunities. What opportunities do you have to expand your enrollment and um, jumpstart your marketing? And so I'm often creating templates. I'm creating guides, frameworks that they can use. And what's great is because I'm out in the school so often on a typical year, I'm able to see what needs there are and then be responsive to that. Teaching them how to update their website, for example, or what are some critical pieces that you want to include in your social media posts. Um, I've even gone so far as creating some plug and play social media for our schools. And I might talk about that a little bit later when we get a little deeper into Catholic Schools Week. But really creating tools that schools can use right now that directly impact their enrollment and certainly forward their marketing efforts. Wonderful. I, I, I love the boots on the ground uh, <laughs> phrase because I think uh, anybody who does one of your roles uh, for a diocese has to be boots on the ground. Now, today, it's probably a person on Zoom or however you want to phrase it. You <laughs> probably spend a lot of your time on Zoom and on the phone working with mm-hmm. our schools. But uh, absolutely. I know from my own diocesan days, uh, I probably spent less than 50% of my time in the office and most of it out there with the, with the schools and with the parishes. And then last but certainly not least, we have Gavin Mooney, our president and chief client officer for Changing Our World. Gavin, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Good to be with Kristen and Jennifer and everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we'll just start with some some discussion questions and feel free uh, to our panelists just to jump in. But first, I want to start with Kristen, because uh, you're the you're the new kid on our podcast. So we're glad to have you here. And uh, maybe for those who aren't familiar with the Archdiocese of Seattle, why don't you tell us a little bit about Catholic schools in the Archdiocese and how they're preparing for Catholic Schools Week over the next couple of weeks? You bet. So just to give you some perspective, we have 72 schools. 11 of which are high schools. So of course, the vast majority are grade schools that are out there. We actually, we're in Western Washington. And so we basically, our schools run from North, almost the border of Canada, all the way down to the border of Oregon, near Portland. Hmm. So it's Bellingham to Vancouver, and, and that's our range. So schools, we have urban schools, rural schools, um, we have a variety. We have STEM schools, single sex schools. Um, we have large schools, small schools, so and everything in between. So um, that's why I think it's so important to get out there and really identify with those unique communities to see what their needs are and how to how to really strategize in their communities. But we are very excited about Catholic Schools Week, and we have been planning formally since December third. What I do in, in the Archdiocese is I do at least one workshop a month related to marketing, advancement, or enrollment. And actually, since COVID, we were doing them weekly, and now we're doing about three per month with our teams that are out in the schools um, in, a, in a Zoom capacity. Our theme or our workshop in December was basically planning a successful and engaging Catholic Schools Week. Great. So we just do an hour to respect everybody's time. And so during that time, I will present lots of ideas, things that they could do often reference the NCEA work that they've already put together. They put together a really great and and snappy marketing guide, which I thought was really well done. And so we'll we'll take some ideas from there. And then I usually add to it and expand that. So it was a great conversation at that point to begin active planning. Some of our schools have been thinking about it 
long before December 3rd. But I think in a COVID world, we're being so responsive to what's happening right now. And sometimes it's not Catholic schools week, you know, in November that you just think, okay, that's till January. I'm going to work on that a little bit later. So formally setting a date where we can, you know, drill down and uh, confirm some ideas and uh, set some plans in place, I think is really helpful. What I did before Christmas, and I, I laugh now thinking about it, now that I'm through it, I developed a marketing kit for all the schools and I shipped those out before Christmas. And I was that lady at the UPS store with 72 boxes. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> you were popular, I'm sure. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not going to do that next year, I can tell you. It's going to be right. December 2nd or earlier. <laughs> but anyway, we got all those mailed out and that kit contained a custom poster. So I designed kind of a a kit for the Seattle Archdiocese. So a custom poster, I sent out four posters to the schools, tons of like packed with ideas of what they could do each day for their alumni, for their donors, for their parents, for their parish. I created things like bookmarks that they could just send to the printer and or customize. I use Canva a lot and I've taught our development teams that program so they can go in and go into the Canva link and then pull the Archdiocesan logo out and put their school logo in. So that little item that they're giving is very custom to their community. So anyway, I put together all these resources, sent it out in a kit. I actually made samples um, of different things. Like here's one of them. It's a little Rolo candy into a pencil and it says, that's right. We're kicking off Catholic schools week. So cool. fun things that they could then print out, uh-huh. utilize right then and there and, and get the creative juices flowing. Not that they have to use the stuff that was included, but at least it's a place to start. So, um, you know, really the message in December for our schools and thinking about Catholic schools week was our light shines brighter together. Mm-hmm. And I had a great visual that just shows how that light is amplified. And so This really is the time for all of us to take to our social media, get our parents engaged in something um, to really celebrate our parish, our donors, our alumni, and and really just it's a time nationally for us to unite on this. And so I just think it's such a powerful week. And so I've I've been pumping up the Seattle crew to really um, (laughs) find what we can do virtually. I mean, we've had to come out with some really creative, innovative ideas of how do we do things virtually that will engage. you know, it could be a trivia night online. It could be a, a recipe, you know, a cooking class, you know. So these were the kinds of things that that I included in the kit to just um, get people thinking out of the box. I love it. I love the creativity and the imagination. And I'm sure that uh, it's reciprocal too, right? When we work work with a group of people, they probably bring their great ideas. You're bringing some fantastic ideas to them. And and also the customizable piece really struck me, right? So you, you offer things to them that they can just slap their logo in and, and let it go. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Kristen. Great examples. Jennifer, how are the Catholic schools in the Diocese of Palm Beach thinking differently about Catholic Schools Week uh, in 2021? We're all working differently. This will be the first Catholic Schools Week, right, where we're, we're under this. This was just the threat of it was happening last year at this time, but now we're in it. And so Catholic Schools Week, I would imagine, is going to look a little different for you as well. It is. It is. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm really proud of the schools here in the Diocese of Palm Beach and um, with our superintendent, assistant superintendent and office of Catholic schools. So um, we've been working with them on some different ideas. And the system that we utilize is each school submits a calendar of what they're planning to do um, to our office of Catholic schools. And for example, um, St. Jonah of Arc is doing something new and unique this year. Um, they're creating videos for each classroom that answers the question, what does a Catholic school mean to me? So they can utilize those. And again, just a COVID-friendly 
thing to do. Um, St. Anne Catholic School, for example, is transitioning to a drive-by Grandparents Day and also still collecting donations um, for those in need. And I think that's really important, Mm. uh, especially during this Catholic Schools Week. We've got other schools that are just getting creative with things they've done in the past. For example, Sacred Heart um, is still having a pep rally, but they're doing it outside. Mm-hmm. So kind of transitioning during this COVID time um, to what activities they can do. Our bishop will be visiting the three high schools um, this year to do mass with them, um, but it will be broadcast through the school rather than all the students gathering in one place. So really utilize that technology um, just like Kristen, um, we've been encouraging our administrators in our schools to utilize the new Canva um, partnership with NCEA and be able to personalize that content. I know I've used it a lot for the Office of Catholic Schools, and it's very user-friendly. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the creativity that our schools continue to provide in that realm, and I'm just really proud of them for developing each day and utilizing those things that NCEA has put into place that they can make sure they reach each group of their target audience. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else they have and for us sharing all that content and social media. That's fantastic. Gavin, I know that Changing Our World is uh, continuing to work with the schools and the Archdiocese of Boston and with the Lynch Foundation. Tell us a little bit about how how we've been working with them and, and what we have in store for 2021. Sure, Jim. Yeah, it's been um, a great partnership funded by Peter Lynch and the Lynch Foundation and the executive director, Katie Everett, has been inspirational as it relates to sort of some of the work um, that that we've been doing in a collaborative nature. And actually started about three years ago, Jim. It's a long-term project and there always seems to be opportunity to share the great uh, and good news that that about Catholic education. One of the more recent ones, which is timely because of the pandemic, obviously, that we've been all living through, we, we hypothesized that in the summer months that Catholic schools would open uh, while their public counterparts would not, and then there would be some sort of hybrid or, or uh, remote schooling. And so we doubled down on Catholic, the quality of Catholic education, and that Catholic schools would be open during the summer months in, in an ad campaign, a social media ad campaign, which had tremendous results, thankfully, in terms of impressions and click-throughs. And not to say it was the golden ticket as a result of our work, but I think just the reality of the situation on the ground. Tom Carroll, the superintendent of schools, reported an uptake of about 4,000 students um, in the Archdiocese of Boston. There's 59 or so schools. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a reality of what's going on on the ground, but really utilizing marketing and communications tools to build the Catholic brand, build the Catholic schools brand elevated through an umbrella campaign throughout each of the counties in the Archdiocese of Boston and then working with each of the individual schools to develop their own parochial social media campaign. So that that's worked really, really well, and so much so that we're actually uh, in preparation for Catholic Schools Week. We're, we're doing the same thing again for another 30 schools and about 10 high schools, developing messages um, that we're open, we're functioning, we offer an excellent quality education for, for students. And yeah, guess what? We're open. Um, and so that's it. That's important. I think the next one of the additional important steps will be retention of those students, Jim. And, mm-hmm. you know, marketing and communications can only do so much. It's really the importance of what's happening in the schools and the welcoming environment, which typically exists in a Catholic school, the quality of the education, delivering on the promise. And so I think that will be for, for many schools that have received an uptick in enrollment um, that'll probably be the next opportunity for them um, to really showcase the difference 
and the Catholic schools have made on their on their children during this moment in time. So um, that that's some of the work that we've been doing over the Terrific, terrific. Kristen, I can imagine that the talking points have changed a little bit for the principals this year about marketing their schools uh, differently. How, how have they pivoted? You know, here's the silver lining of, with COVID, in my opinion, is that we were forced to change um, our narrative to some extent, not change the content of it, because I don't think what, what we offer in Catholic schools will be timeless. But I think the way we deliver that has we've had to get so much more creative. And I think we've needed as, as a Catholic school system to think more out of the box in general. So mm-hmm. I think that's the silver lining for me in COVID is that we're willing because we have no choice to come up with some new, fresh messaging. And so where I've seen it change, for example, is how it's delivered, of course, mm-hmm. right? So we've been working on video where, you know, the importance of video messaging and tools like Canva has has a video message option. There's also Loom. I've taught Loom in our, to our schools as well, which is another quick and easy uh, way to uh, send messages in a video from a video uh, context. And, you know, honestly, I think that that personal touch, the importance of letting your current families know you're so glad that they're with you and um, have a real sense of gratitude to, the, to those committed families. And then in terms of reaching out, you know, that messaging has to be bold. It really has to be bold because now we have maybe a few more listeners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like Catholic schools have used the generic, you know, mind, body, spirit, almost to the point where it's just, you just tune it out. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. using it in some capacity. Yeah. I think what we've worked on is really trying to be more specific to say that we are helping to form a conscience, form um, you know someone's moral compass, future ready, that our academics, not just we have strong academics. I mean, they're ready for the future and what the demands of living in a technological digital world will demand of our students 20, 30, 40 years from now. So mm-hmm. I think those term, that type of terminology also, I think engaged in the service of others. You know, not just communities or youth service. I think we've had to be a little bit more descriptive with our with our use of um, well, really, just more descriptive in what our schools represent. Mm-hmm. And also, it's forcing us to highlight. Thankfully, I feel like we have many things to highlight during this COVID time, but it's it's really bringing out the importance of really um, getting that word out. How successful are what? Jennifer referred to it in terms of data. How are our students doing? You know, what are we seeing? Um, you know, I think the dedication of the teachers and certainly the principals and leaders in our schools has gone such a long way. And people sure. are beginning to see the importance of that. But but those are those are some of the things I think that language has needed to change for a long mm-hmm. time. And I'm just that's the silver lining for me. And I think the method of delivery has changed. And um, maybe it's taken people out of their comfort zone, but we're gonna grow. We're going to grow. You know, it feels as though we've crossed a bridge and and there's kind of no going back. And in many ways, what I'm hearing you say is that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Right. We want to get back in person, 100 percent. Sure. We're a little bit more. We're not as probably in person as some of you are in on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. None of our high schools have been back in person yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Our grade schools, some of them only have K to three or K to five. Some of them have K to eight depending on the county, we're in seven different counties here in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Each county is a little different. So 
you know, again, for us, our challenge is we don't necessarily have them all in person. So how do we keep people engaged? Yeah. How do we continue to remind families that, that this is, this is a very solid future ready option for their kids? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing to me because I feel like in so many ways, this has propelled some of our Catholic schools and even many of our parishes into the 21st century in a way that they never have been before. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think there are going to be real positive repercussions from that aspect of it as well. And that's some of what I think I'm, I'm hearing you say. Jennifer, uh, we've had you on the show a couple of times talking about communications plans. And and I know that, you know, even beyond Catholic Schools Week, our, our schools, uh, a comprehensive marketing program always includes a comprehensive communications plan. Can you share with us a little bit with maybe those who haven't seen you on our podcast before or heard you speak? What are some of those ingredients that go into a real good communications plan for a school? Sure, Jim. I think that's important and that's definitely a timely issue. So as you know, and we've talked about before, having effective communications is really the result of that proactive philosophy. So you're addressing the communication issues in a timely manner. You know, we've talked a little bit before about what are the ingredients of that plan? What is the template of that plan? Um, And so for us, it is creating that really solid social media content and calendar, having a comprehensive advancement plan, an enrollment management plan. I recently received certification in crisis communication, and that kind of made me think of the templates for the crisis communication pieces that our schools can utilize. So kind of weaving that into it, plus making sure that you have a clean and updated branding and identity guide for our schools. So especially Kristen mentioned that, you know, making sure when you're looking at the digital side and we're getting more creative, making sure that you have that identity guide and and branding pieces in place for your schools. And then of course that communications plan, you want to make sure it has, you know, your vision and your mission statements and your goals, your audiences, your objectives. I like to break ours down into long-term objectives and short-term objectives. And then what strategies and tactics are you going to utilize to make that really come to fruition? And then one thing that, you know, is important for our schools and for our diocese is then to see what is the budget detail of that. So you're wanting to put all these great things together, making sure you weave into that plan, you know, what are you going to budget for and how is that going to work? And then we kind of back out timelines. So if you want something to come to fruition and you want to launch this new video, well, what are the pieces that you need to have in place before that? But I think a strong communications plan is so important, especially during these times. This is, you know, unprecedented for our schools. So making sure they're doing an audit of what's working and what's not and looking at the analytics of their social media. Are they utilizing their Instagram to the best of their ability? You know, when are people more active on their Facebook page and really trying to discern that as they're making these plans so they're working smarter, not harder. But I agree, that's always a topic I like to discuss um, and just, you know, helping our parishes right now too, doing a lot of that. Um, regarding the communication pieces. We have quarterly meetings that I host with our parishes and, you know, they really have grown by leaps and bounds too with the masses and providing content as well on the digital platform. So I'm real proud of them. That's wonderful. Well, you know, as the communications director for a diocese, which is obviously a little larger than just communications director for the schools, which is already a big job, 
I, I can only imagine how the talking points have changed <laughs> and how busy you've been in 2020 and, you know, just uh, personalizing those messages to those different audiences. I, I'm sure you've had your hands full. I have, but I have a great team. I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. So we work really well together and, you know, the various offices here really support one another. You know, we've had social media strategy meetings, you know, we still do weekly team meetings. So kind of making sure we're in constant communication internally too helps so that, you know, we can help those outside of of our little communications team as well. So yeah, been busy though. Oh, I can imagine. Just, uh, (laughs) it's it's incredible. Um, Gavin, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I know there's probably some advancement officers and folks who are in charge of philanthropy for Catholic schools who are watching today. What would you recommend to how an advancement director should kind of segment their different target audiences. You know, we have different generations that come back to the school sometimes during Catholic Schools Week. Sometimes alumni offices will have a, a gathering of some type, but, you know, messaging to the different audiences and to the different generations can sometimes be a challenge. Uh, I know Change in Our World has done some work in the past on that topic as well. Yeah. Again, I don't look at this sort of two week or three week moment in time, which is Catholic Schools Week as. To Jen and Chris's point, you know, this is this is these are things that we should be doing all year round, and there are there are moments in time where where it is an inflection point. I guess that's the best way to describe it. I sure. I think if schools haven't done this, they should be doing it. So many of our clients, elementary, secondary, university, when COVID first came about back, let's say in March, we we pivoted, and I swore I'd never use that pivot word again but here we right. go 2021 the p word um left right and center maybe you're running major fundraising campaigns for capital projects or you're supporting money for uh, raising money for endowments with our partners or you know raising money for different things and so in each of the i don't know 50 schools collectively around the country that we we were engaging with we changed and we changed drastically to what's going on around us how does it impact our students our families and what can we do about it? And how does it impact, obviously, the operational model of that school, which we all know the business model is tough in the first place. And so for the vast majority of those schools that we worked with, Jim, we established emergency response funds and they worked really well. And so that was reaching out and, and you know, you think about learnings that Kristen just talked about and things that will carry on for, I think, the future. You know, oftentimes we're not very transparent in our messaging or candid in our messaging and can't get our message out there. And so we were very deliberate, intentional. um, And we had these state of the unions or fireside chats with all of our respective constituencies and audiences in the schools that we represented just to tell them what was going on, tell them how we had to restructure our academics, our programs, to tell them what it meant for our teachers or students I wish I had that certificate uh, uh, that Jen said she had in uh, in crisis management. It was trial and error. I think we were all in that. You know, nobody had all the answers. We were trying to work our way through it. But my point is that that transparency, that communication and over-communication to each of those respective audience groups, stakeholders, parents, alumni, grandparents, and faculty went a long way. And when asked to support each of those respective schools, people stood up and stood up in volumes and supported them. And so that's transitioned from emergency response fund to scholarship funds to many campaigns now that we're doing to making sure that we're always looking at things, which Catholic schools, by the way, most likely do through diversity, equity, and inclusion, because that came to the fore, obviously, this past year as well. So I didn't really answer your question, but I think my point is, openness, direct communication, 
an articulation of the need, clearly articulating the gap in terms of revenue versus expense, how our schools have supported our parents, our faculty, and, and most importantly, our students during this tough moment in time, and making that ask and putting that pitch out there, whatever that, whatever that channel is that you use. Mm-hmm. I know because we've seen it and we continue to see it. Um, you'll reap the benefits of philanthropy through your stakeholders. I would agree, Gavin. And you know, I'll just give you an example. One of the clients that I work with, Chesterdale College, over the summer, because you know you weren't able to get on a plane, and that's what college presidents do, right? They get on a plane and travel around the country and see their alums. And I say this because I think it really applies to to any Catholic school. We did a series of just Zoom calls with with donors, small group Zoom calls. We did a large group Zoom call in which we invited everybody. It was more of a webinar style format, but it gave people the opportunity. It was a, it was a state of the union, if you will, fireside chat. But it really it personalized the approach to those donors because then they felt connected. They could ask the president questions firsthand. They could build those relationships and forge new ones in some cases. And actually, some new dollars came out of that and were totally unsolicited even after we were done. But I think, however, and 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 you've also, you've never had a better reason to pick up the phone and call your donors and ask them how they're doing, right? This is just like a built-in, <laughs> there's never been a better excuse to call somebody, one of your alums out wherever they are, Wyoming or you know, if they're far away, just to ask them how they're doing, how they're managing through all this, if there's anything you can do to help those relationships, they really go a long way. So Kristen, this next question I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you, let you respond first, but then if Gavin or Jennifer want to jump in on this one, because I think this is sometimes one of the most fascinating questions and I've gotten so many answers over the years, but what are some of the reasons that parents are choosing Catholic education in 2021 from your perspective? I think honestly too, we're, we got a bump from the uh, from the remote learning. I think we were successful we in being able to move to that quickly, and I think that was that caught some people's attention that may have not uh, considered us before. So, I think that's the obvious right now in COVID. But again, you know, it's a great opportunity. You know, great opportunities of, for some new families to come in and, and just see who we are and what we're all about. So, I think mm-hmm. that caught people's attention this year. But in general, um, and we ran a Facebook campaign from June through November, all through Western Washington, and had provided leads to schools. And what we got the most engagement, we had three top messages. The first one, of course, was remote learning. The second was community. We really amplified our community and how unique that is that each school has really their own culture there to some degree or another. That resonated with people. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was just Catholic school advantage. So we gave them some stats, some data, so you know, chew on that a little bit and see, hmm, would this fit for my family? Or wow, there's there's proven outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really important for those millennial parents, especially. I mean, they're looking for how will my child be prepared down the road? You know, mm-hmm. I think about in our area, and even just as a parent of three myself, of how much parents spend on extra coaching and select sports and things like that. And, and they're very outcome driven. They're looking at that. They're making the investment now, in some cases, tens, $10,000 a year yeah. um, or more. Why? So that their student will get a scholarship or they'll be able to play in a D1 program or something along those lines. Right. So I think our parents today are very outcome driven. You know, they're, they're realizing if they make that investment, they want to know what's at the end of all this. And so mm-hmm. I think we need to really message there as well, because I think that's just where a lot of our parents are right now. Those outcomes we've just got to amplify were agile and flexible and that community. I think those would be my my top ones. Very good. Very good. 
Jen or Gavin, anything you'd want to add to that? Sure. I think for us, one of the reasons why our schools in the Diocese of Palm Beach have been doing well is the fact that we're really trying to emphasize a, a grace and also a family environment. Also, as a mom of you know a Catholic school student, I appreciate that if you know, something happens, a student forgets something, they're late because of X that, you know, our schools are showing grace and, you know, there is forgiveness and, and you know, there is a second chance. And I think that's important. And to the best of their ability, trying to maintain that nice family atmosphere, you feel love when you communicate with the faculty and the staff at the school. So I think that's important. For us, we're a little bit different than Kristen in the fact that, you know, we do have in-person classes. One thing that has worked well for us is a smooth transition for the students that need to alternate between at-home learning and in-person classes. So whether they're in quarantine because they've been exposed to COVID or they've tested positive or there's a situation where maybe they are not ready to go to in-person learning, you know, at school learning that they can really learn from home. And we have some really strong technology features in our schools. So I think being able to do that pretty seamlessly and reassure the parents of, you know, safety, security, and discipline in our schools and coupling that with, you know, just loving the students. And that's something that is pretty unique. I think, to our Catholic schools and providing that family atmosphere. So I'm thrilled to see that some of our schools are having an increase in enrollment. And I think right now it's really important just to make sure that we continue to build those relationships where you can't necessarily have those, you know, in-person sessions, whether it's a gala or PTO meetings or things of that nature, but finding a way to make it work so that the families and the community members still feel engaged with the school, but that's a great question. I like hearing, you know, Kristen's response as well. So what do you think? Maybe I'll jump in just to piggyback on Jen's comments there. It's the years goes by pretty quickly. We worked with Jen and Palm Beach and Gary to do a market research effort to answer that exact question. And we did the same in Boston. We did the same in other places. And I'm sure if you were to ask the question now, we might, we'll get some overlap, but, but probably Mm -hmm. some, some new answers, but safety, security, community, I agree with Kristen and Jen. Well, I think one of the biggest challenges and opportunities, though, is that sort of on a broader, holistic perspective about Catholic, Catholic schools. What we continue to find is Catholic schools are all, all, are oftentimes competitive with one another because they're in a particular geography or community. And so sometimes it takes that extra, what makes this Catholic school different? Saint, I think of St. Mary's of the Hills, my own Catholic elementary school here in Milton, Massachusetts, and they differentiate themselves by branding themselves the innovative school right. or Fonfon Academy, which is the high school, which they brand themselves as the Boston College Prep School. Some of these things are table stakes, why parents choose them, but now it gets into the competitive realm. The biggest competition of Catholic schools are Catholic schools themselves because there's so much overlap. And so how you differentiate and showcase your unique charism, if it's a particular religious order or your mission or your vision or what you do in the community or what you do academically, STEM or STREAM, as it may be the case, that is becoming more and more really important. And so I think an emphasis on that, Jim, should be um, something that everybody should be looking at and thinking through as they as they you know implement their marketing efforts. And Gavin, I, I, I just want to say amen to that because I, I hear often because some of our, 
our schools in Seattle are blocks, you know, or like a mile away. And so it, it does feel like that. And I'm sure it's like that in the East Coast. I grew up in upstate New York, so I went to a Catholic school back East. And I know that often there are, there's so many of them in one area. And so I always try to derail them when they say, well, what about this? School? What about that school? And just say, you know, just spend your time being the best version of yourself. You know, spend so much time stressing about the school next to us, trying to figure out what they are. And it's, it's time better spent figuring out who you are. And, and to your point, um, Gavin, just that's what you need to be yeah. pushing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Understanding, understand your prospective customers, right? Understanding what their needs are and, and, and meeting their needs. When I worked in Catholic school marketing in the diocese, one of the emphasis we made we, we realized that the academics were underappreciated, that the, Catholic, the academics in the Catholic school were just far superior. Um, and so, you know, we, we had billboards around the diocese. 97% of our kids or 100% of our kids graduated and went on to a two or four year Catholic, you know, a college or university. Just some of the graduation rates for Catholic schools were, were much higher. And it really caught fire, caught wind all around the diocese. We saw a, a nice increase diocesan wide that year. Jen, you know, Catholic Schools Week, clearly important, but how does that fit into the larger picture of, of a school's communications plan? You know, I like to look at it as Discover Catholic Schools Week, which is a little bit newer, which was held in November this year by NCEA, which was a really nice alternative that you can start with that. And then you have your Catholic Schools Week, which is, um, I think this is the 47th year of Catholic Schools Week. And that's traditionally the last week in January. And then looking at the year-round marketing plan, and NCA has done a great job with their digital toolkit to have tools and templates that you can utilize throughout the year. But I think that's just it. So when you're looking at recruitment, admissions, and retention, so how are you putting these components of your Catholic Schools Week to good use throughout the school year? So as you know, it's cyclical to make sure that you have a great enrollment throughout the year. And I think Catholic Schools Week is a good time for us to kind of pause and have this national discussion about you know each of those daily themes and what do we do to support our families? What do we do to support clergy? We have a liturgical guide. So it kind of lets us pause for a moment and kind of do a little audit of exactly what do we have and, and how is it working and then making that last throughout the year. So having that bigger conversation, but using the week as a great opportunity to get traction, to trend on social media, to collaborate, you know, nationwide with that. But you're exactly right. It does. The week fits into the larger marketing plan. And you can, you know, utilize each of those themes that the NCA has put into place throughout the year, really. And there's some great templates online that you can use for that, too. But it's nice to see that, you know, they've kind of dissected out these different portions that you can use as you look at your school for each one of those enrollment cycles. I love what you're saying about it really is a moment for us each year nationally just to look at Catholic schools and, and continue that conversation, not not just with prospective parents, but certainly also with philanthropy and on, on a whole lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. Gavin, you know, talking about philanthropy, I remember years ago when I first saw Regis Philbin talking about the Catholic Alumni Partnership. That was, I think, one of my first encounters with Changing Our World years ago when I was working for the Diocese of Allentown, I was just so impressed with the organization of that effort. And and I know it continued long after that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And just to finish off Jen's point there, I couldn't agree more in terms of the resource at NCA. I've had the pleasure of working with Kathy Mears and mm-hmm. the Archdiocese of Boston. She's, she's um, 
interim president there. She's done a phenomenal job, as have the rest of the team that she's surrounded with. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like a dinosaur now, Jim. I'm, I'm like, this was 10 <laughs> years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And we worked at the Archdiocese in York and I was running a big campaign for them. And there was a gentleman that, who was a funder who said, where are all the elementary school graduates and why aren't they supporting, in this case, their alma mater, which was their elementary schools? And shame on them. And, you know, so it, it was kind of before its time. And, and I think back to Kristen's earlier point about silver linings, you know, the business model is a tough business model, right, for Catholic schools. And I think the idea then was that philanthropy would play a role in the business model as a, being a revenue generator. And thinking behind it was, could we get philanthropy to be 5% of the budget, operational budget for a, a Catholic elementary school? And so that's what we set about doing. We worked with 10 dioceses and found a million records of Catholic elementary schools. You can imagine the state and the condition of where they were and what we had to do. And we then we did a, a loss trace analysis to find out where those individuals live now. And we set up training programs for Catholic elementary schools to, in essence, put the structure in place for a fundraising program. Genius back then. And I wish, you know, many of the schools had continued with it because now more than ever, we need that. Now more than ever, we need fundraising as part of the solution, not just in Catholic, but healthcare, social services across the every uh, sector here in the nonprofit space. So that was what it was, Jim. It was working with Catholic elementary schools, teaching them how to fish, teaching them how to the basics of fundraising, knowing that, you know, I think it was Kristen again who said, you know, these are children who have had their formative years, most formative years in Catholic elementary schools that were blessed with a quality education for many of them that had gone there in the earlier years, 78 people that are in their 70s and 80s. It was for free. And so how did we engage them or how should we engage with them? And so I, I just I just love doing the program because you end up, you find the individuals. How did you find this? How did you possibly find this? And you ask them to share vignettes. Mm-hmm. And they share vignettes of sister so-and-so or a teacher where there was an excellent experience. And that's the start of a relationship. And from there, it's not all about asking money straight out of the gate. It's about establishing a rapport and a relationship and telling your story. To go back to use Kristen again telling your story, who are you, what makes your school individualized, what's going on today, and eventually you're telling them what the, what the needs are. So we've done it in many different dioceses. There's different types of, um, um, I guess, from a, from a flattery perspective, many different schools are doing it their own way, which is great. There's lots of different new tools and resources that are out there that, be, that can be utilized. But I would encourage any, any of our listeners here, Jim, especially, especially elementary schools, high schools, you know, at this stage should have savvy fundraising programs, but elementary schools, you know, and I know it's easy for me to say because you're wearing so many different hats in an elementary school and, you know, your communications one day, your crisis management gen the next day or whatever it is. <laughs> I would just encourage you to get a group of volunteers together to start something, to start engaging your respective audiences. People, as I said a few minutes ago, will give when they know what's going on, when they're part of the solution when they've experienced Catholic education as alumni, they'll give back. They'll give back. It's just a matter of finding them first, Jim, right. and then engaging them. And then engaging them. That was the beauty of it, was finding was, them. So yeah. yeah, that's it. That's half the fun, and that's what we can help with. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kristen, you know, talking about building relationships, my own experience of sending my kids to a parochial school, sometimes the challenges, and, and I, I, I sat on the board of directors for our kids' elementary school for a few years. One of our challenges as a board was connecting with parishioners who didn't send their kids to Catholic school, right? And people who maybe are removed from that age group, you know, who, <laughs> who hate to say it, have aged out of that and don't have young children anymore. Any thoughts on how a Catholic school can kind of reach out to those parishioners who are not immediately connected and kind of heal that or mend that or that divide and, and bring those relationships together? 
hopefully every school that's functioning at a high level is, is considering that, especially their parish schools, because it's such an important relationship to build and cultivate. You know, again, I think now um, in this environment, it's just that much more important for us to be connected with our parishes in maybe a, a closer way, maybe mm-hmm. than before. But I think some of the things that come off the top that I just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, you know, kids love to write little notes. I mean, I know for me, you know, you hit a certain age and then it's, it's really like when my kids come with something very personalized, that means so much more than if dad took them out to go get something, you know? Sure. So to me, I think it's that it really, the key to someone's heart is that personalization. It could be, and I always like to give lots of options to our schools. If you don't have, you know, if you have a small school and that a letter campaign where kids couldn't necessarily write one individual letter, then maybe do, you know, a, a more of a, a letter that could come from the principal and have the kids decorate it. You know, they could crank a few of those out pretty quick, but I think something personalized, even my donors used to say, gosh, you're the school that used to send the thank you note with all the kids drawings on it. They remember that. I think that is very organic and people respond to that. So I would suggest a little letter writing campaign mm. with the grade schools and even the high schools you know, connecting with parishioners saying, you know, I'm a student and this is the high schools could be a little bit more of a letter, whereas maybe could be even just a little picture that the kids put together, just thanking them, you know, our parishes are supporting our schools. And I think the intro conversation is a thank you. It is not a, hi, we're your school. Can you donate? It's a, it's the beginning of a relationship. So, you know, you don't, you don't pop the question on the first date, you know, so you've got to, you've got to be able to get to know them, ask them questions. And then as you begin to have more of a relationship, then of course, you know, that time will come. But initially I think it's a big thank you. I think what we did were bookmarks and in a non-COVID world, our kids with uniforms would be after mass would be handing out those little bookmarks, just a little something they could stick into their prayer book or their read at night that just reminds them that they're a part of this, this school community as well. I'm a big proponent of video messages. I think it would be super fun for the principal to do a video message and send that out to all the parishioners and just say, I just want you to know what, what your parish school is doing right now and how we're navigating through this and how important your prayers are for us right now. You know, I think things like that, that again, you could do one video message, but a video message always feels personal because they're looking at you, you know, they're looking straight ahead at the camera. And so you feel like that person's really engaged with you, even though the same person's receiving the same message, you know, I love, you know, including them in um, events, you know, that's sometimes hard to do. um, But I think that's important to do and to continue to do inviting them to open house. When we had open houses, we used to have a a cookie contest, you know? And so sometimes I'd invite some of the parishioners to be the judges, you know? So it was open. It was during Catholic schools week. It was our open house and our current families had to come and submit their cookie. And then we had this panel of judges. So, you know, have the, have the, some of the parishioners as the panel. And then of course, some of their friends come because they just want to see them in the judging role. I mean, you can just, it's those little things. I think that, um, are a big deal. And I think particularly now during COVID, our elderly parishioners feel very alone. And I just feel like this would be such a beautiful effort if our schools mm-hmm. could just do something personal for especially that group of our parishioners in particular. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Jen, so many Catholic schools probably listening to this on a shoestring budget or, or have no budget for marketing and have to watch every penny. How can Catholic schools who are looking at uh, Catholic Schools Week and even overall with their overall marketing budget, how can they how can they make it work? How can they still make an impact? 
Yeah, that's a good question, Jim. And, you know, I do respect that, you know, when we work with parishes or schools that, you know, really need to stick to a streamlined budget. One of the things I would recommend first would be to look at the current communication tools that they have and understand what's working and what's not. Are they reaching their target audience and looking at some generational trends? So if there is a specific group that they want to reach, you know, how can they reach those? You know, who is on Instagram? Who is on Twitter? Are people on Vimeo? How can they utilize um, what they currently have to the best of their ability? And then secondly, I would start looking at the school's marketing pillars and develop some content for each of those. So what makes them unique? You know, Gavin had a good point when, you know, he's saying, you know, what makes each school specific and, you know, really what did they say that is the best of their marketing tactics that they can utilize? I've been working with some of our schools and parishes too on some social media ads. So they can be pretty specific in geo-targeting who they want to reach and personalizing content as well. So being able to run different ads at different times to reach a specific audience. And you can really, you know, utilize the tools that are in place right now. I just worked with one of our schools, All Saints, on that as they, you know, approach their open house. And the budget that you can set for a few hundred dollars, you can do so much right now on social media. And third, one thing that I, when I work, you know, with different entities is, to really create that parent ambassador program. One of the presentations I've been giving frequently is the social media ambassador program. So we can really capitalize on the virality of social media, but also that authentic endorsement. So, you know, when another mom says, Jen, you should really think about purchasing X because I've used it, I've tried it, it's great, and here's why, that speaks volumes. So kind of arming our parents and our guardians um, with the tools and the facts that they would need to know to be good ambassadors. And, you know, even if there's a little bit less of that going on at the school level, transitioning that to be a social media ambassador. I, I launched that um, program when I used to work at a high school here in our diocese, and it was so successful. And, and we, you know, we started with four and I grew it each year. And just that's data you can look at and you can see Gosh, this is working and here's why. Um, and then tracing that back to, well, what came of it? Were we able to get more donations? Were we able to get additional students? You know, that's one of the ways you can have a really big impact with a small budget that I would recommend. So really, you know, that peer-to-peer communication is important as well. So those would be a few of my recommendations for mm-hmm. working with a smaller budget. And I get it. And there are some great things that you can do. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure you work with schools like that all the time too, Kristen. Yes, I do. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've walked in and they have zero marketing budget. So it's, you know, <laughs> what what can we do? And, you know, to add on to Jennifer's point, because I think social media is a real opportunity right now because it's it's inexpensive. And I think you can use your free channels as well and boosting posts and things like that you can do in a, you know, if you have a restricted budget, that's something, a possibility. But I really always emphasize the point that, you know what, your best marketing team are the families that you have in your community right now. And so is there a way, and that again, goes back to the parent ambassador program, which I think is such a great, a great network for families. They're your best marketers. And so considering how you're cultivating that community, that internal community has got to be top priority because you're sitting at a game or you're sitting at a soccer tournament and you know you're talking to someone next to you 
that's powerful. And everyone looks at reviews. I look at reviews before I buy anything. And I think that people value others experience with something. And so that's a great, I think it's such a powerful tool free empower your school communities to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw an interesting thing on one of the schools and I look at a lot of non-parochial private schools because they have these teams of marketers and they come up with these interesting ideas, but they had on their admissions, you could, you know, inquire for information, you could submit an application and then it was connect with a parent. Mm-hmm. They actually made it a button where you could actually just go straight. And it actually takes you into this, this other portal called PeerPal, but mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you have to pay for and the whole bit, but it was a really interesting way. And they actually had parents that had their bios mm-hmm. up. So you could look and see, well, I can relate to this family or that family and then connect and ask questions about the school. Mm. So I would empower the community that's within within your building already as well. Some great digital marketing strategies. We're coming up on an hour. So I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question here. And, and this is for, for Jen and for Kristen. And then I'll ask Gavin to say a couple of closing words. But Jen and Kristen, as you as you think about your role as a diocese, you know what what's the optimal role for a diocese to play during Catholic Schools Week? I've heard the gamut. You know, this is a local thing. Let Catholic schools do it. But do you see a larger role for di- dioceses to play during this week? Sure. One of the things that I try to do is serve as a resource for our schools and also kind of serve as that umbrella approach. So not only telling them about what resources are available, that's why we're getting a lot of calls, you know, and emails right now, you know, what is the latest tool? How can I get onto the Canva with NCEA? Tell me about the marketing kit, things like that. How can we personalize content? But for our office at Catholic Schools, for example, you know, we will be running, you know, our own plugs each day of Catholic Schools Week, kind of bragging on our schools and what they have to offer. But also as part of that umbrella, you know, regramming, retweeting, sharing their content on Facebook. When they submit to us their weekly plans, then we're able to kind of pick and choose some good things for us to promote. We also have the Florida Catholic Media which is every Friday, an e-edition of a paper. And so, you know, we're doing profiles on the different schools during Catholic Schools Week as well. And, you know, mentioning that through some different projects. So I think serving as a resource, serving as a good umbrella, and then being able to personalize things from our angle, and then also arming all of our schools with the tools that they'll need to do the same at a more local level. I would echo a lot of what um, Jennifer said in terms of what we can do. I think, you know, we're the cheerleaders kind of keeping things moving forward. I think we're going to be pushing stuff out on the Archdiocesan social media and then also the Office for Catholic Schools as well. Fulcrum Foundation, the three of us will be pushing out a lot of content. And then, you know, I think we've tried to prepare our, our schools. We have, I have a marketing portal that's been built out on uh, mycatholicschool.org. And if you go into four Catholic schools and down to marketing, enrollment and advancement, you can access training videos and things like that. And they can pull those Catholic schools week things that were included in their kit or some that weren't. They can get some of those resources. So to make it easy for them, especially now, because it's all hands on deck. I mean, we have people that are in admissions and advancement taking temperatures in the morning and, and helping with dismissals. And so to me, as much as in my role, you know, at, at this office for Catholic schools, we can make it as easy as possible so we can keep that creativity and just some fun added into that week and really encourage those schools to take the ball and run with it. I feel like then we've had a good partnership with them. Kristen, before I forget, I, I just want to make sure everybody who's listening knows that we're also, we did a, we had a great interview with uh, Vivian Shannon, the executive director of the Fulcrum Foundation last week, pre-recorded, and actually we'll be dropping that 
on our podcast this afternoon. So featuring Seattle two weeks in a row, it's exciting. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Gavin, a couple of closing thoughts on for schools on engagements and ways to leverage Catholic Schools Week? I think now is the time not to be bashful. This to me, I used the word inflection point or words inflection point there a while ago. And I really do feel like that. We've been on this Unfortunately, this sliding scale to the negative as it relates to enrollment for a while uh, nationally. We've had some seen some very good bright spots, a lot of us and a, a lot of our respective communities this year as a result of um, what's going on and with the health crisis as a result of COVID. So, you know, I see this as a moment in time and we can either take the gloves off and speak loud and proud about Catholic schools and what we're all about and what we do or in six months, 12 months time, we're going to go back to that unfortunate, you know, slide of, of where we were pre-COVID. So I would be direct, candid, transparent, vocal. You know, Kristen's model is a great model in terms of you have an archdiocese, you have the Fulcrum Foundation coming together. And what a great partnership that is to invest in our schools. And I would think of each of the elementary schools that are on this program today, Jim, that have funders that may may uh, consider investing in one of these digital communications efforts that both Jen and Kristen have talked to that for, for very little dollars, you know, goes a long way. Now's the time to do that because in 12 months time, it'll, it, you know, we'll, we'll be having a different type of conversation. So same goes for fundraising, Jim, as I said previously, ask, mm-hmm. be proud. We represent a great community of faith and people have gone on to do great things as a result of the quality of the education. So don't be shy and ask your stakeholders for their support and investment in our schools. Fantastic. Gavin, Kristen, Jen, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I'm inspired and excited and I I wish I was working in a Catholic school this week to (laughs) help you guys get ready. But I I hope, I I know that uh, the conversation certainly yielded some great fruit. And I'm, I'm sure that those who are listening got some great ideas and some great strategies that they'll implement. So thank you again. And I hope you all have a great Catholic Schools Week. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank Thanks you so much. much. I want to thank Jennifer Trefelner, Kristen Moore, and our own Gavin Mooney for being on our show this week. And if you'd like to view the full video presentation of this podcast, please visit the show's episode page on advancingourchurch.com. I'll be sure to leave a link. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. God bless. God bless.